This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, this week you may have heard in the news about the case of Dr. Mohammed Shamji. He is the Toronto neurosurgeon who pleaded guilty to second degree murder in the death of his wife, Dr. Ilana Frick. This is the woman that he was married to for 12 years and the mother of their three children. The details of the case are shocking. And yet at this point also shockingly all too common. A woman abused for years, mentally and physically, tries to leave her husband and protect her kids, and she ends up being killed for it. And here are some stats for you on this. Almost 67% of family violence victims in Canada are women and girls. On average, every six days, a woman in Canada is killed by her intimate partner. And intimate partner violence, according to StatsCan, accounts for one in every four violent crimes reported to police. So despite all the discussion and the awareness, we are still seeing these alarmingly high rates of domestic violence here in Canada. Now, in the case of Mohammed Shamji, the justice, John McMahon, said that this is another tragic instance of domestic homicide that he sees far too often. The court heard that the the victim in this case had served her husband with divorce papers two days before he attacked her, broke her neck and ribs, and choked her to death as their children were sleeping in the next room. Well, her mother told court at a sentencing hearing yesterday that their entire family has been destroyed by this, leaving them heartbroken and filled with rage, but they want to keep their daughter's memory alive. I also want to talk about domestic violence that she endured for 12 years before she died in the hope that other women in similar circumstances will, re- will realize that unless they have the courage to leave their partners at the early stage, they could suffer the same fate as Elena. That is Elena Frick's mother talking about this case. Domestic violence often underreported, but stats do reveal that it is, as we just said, pervasive in this country, so much so that it is considered an epidemic. We wanted to talk more about the awareness here today with Christy Uris, who is the regional coordinator of the program for ending violence at the Community Coordination for Women's Safety. Christy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Sydney. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about this. I feel like this particular case has really kind of struck a nerve right across the country. Do you feel that way? Yeah, certainly. I think in particular the fact that um, these particular individuals involved were um, members of the community with high levels of education and status, I think has drawn particular attention to this case. Um, as well as the um, family coming out and talking about the impacts of Alana's death on their family and on their children and really trying to to create and draw attention to the pervasiveness of domestic violence that you so um, importantly talked about at the beginning of, of the segment. Yeah, is our tendency, do you think, still to kind of shy away from these? Like, does this not get enough attention? 
I think we're making progress. I think it's really important to highlight and and uh, talk about all the ways in which our conversations around domestic violence and domestic violence homicide um, is more out in the open. We know that there are many um, groups and individuals who are working really hard on this issue, but I think there are still um, there is still a lot of misunderstandings about. Um, domestic violence, who commits it, what the risk factors are, um, how common it is, um, and what exactly domestic violence looks like. I think we often associate um, domestic violence with um, overt um, physical abuse, mm-hmm. which is often present, but there are also many other kinds of more insidious course of controlling behaviors. Um. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. That were definitely present in this relationship, and um, where there's a high level of risk for domestic violence homicide when um, a woman ends a relationship. Right now, in, in um, Elena Frick's case, uh, she tried many times to leave. She filed for divorce more than once. Is that typical from the cases that you hear, Christy? It's very typical. I mean, what what, what we, it's it's hard to quantify because obviously um, women's experiences are different. But what we do here is that we often see that women will will try and leave up to we see about seven times before they're actually able to leave a relationship, and we know that there are significant barriers to leaving um, an, an abusive relationship that are often not really well understood. Mm-hmm. Um, people will often ask the question, why Why doesn't she just leave? Right. Um, and besides the fact that we should be shifting that question to why do, why do these men abuse their intimate partners, there are, you know, many significant barriers, one of which um, the most obvious is, is that you know, a woman very, very well may reasonably and justifiably believe that she's safer to stay in the relationship than she is to leave. And as you said, we we know um, from research that um, <clears throat> after a separation is a really critical risk factor for intimate partner ho- homicide. So many women will stay in a relationship because there are ongoing threats of increased violence or she's afraid of what might happen if she actually does leave the relationship. And that fear is very justified based on statistics and what we see in terms of um, intimate partner homicide. So you just said that after a separation is the most dangerous time. Why is that? Is that women often, they get kind of, I guess, they think everything is going to get better. They think it's going to fix the situation and then that's not the case? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's because of the reaction um, from the abuser. So an, an abuser may increase um, the intensity of the violence or may, um, uh, in, you know, actually attempt or, or complete uh, a homicide because, you know, if the woman has left the relationship, that's a shift in, in his power and control. He's lost power and control in the relationship. She has taken some agency and, um, 
you know, made a decision that she's she's not she's no longer going to be in that relationship. So it's a way of taking back some of that power and control. It's also about often about punishing the victim. Right. Okay, that so, makes sense. Yeah. You know, like basically, you've decided to leave me, and this is going to be the consequence. Um, so we often see those are uh, you know reasons why we see this increase in violence and this, and also um, you know that increased risk of of homicide in these cases. So it is a very dangerous time where women need lots of support and resources to help them get through. Um, to get through yeah. everything that comes with, with leaving a relationship. And also, we also see that there's an increased risk, um, not just after after separation, but perhaps if a divorce comes through or custody papers, uh, sorry, there's an outcome of a custody case. So again, there's when there's that shift in a relationship, a shift in that power and control, that can also be a time of really increased risk as well. So what can we do to help that? So what can we do to help from the first time? You said on average, a woman leaves seven times, but what, what can we do to improve the chances from the first time they leave? Well, I think there's a number of different things that we can do. And, and obviously really connecting women to the supports and services that they need to um, get the emotional support to discuss what's going on in their lives as well as to um, actually do like a risk assessment of, about, you know, what's going on, what are the dangers, and creating a safety plan. And this is something that um, that anyone who's experiencing domestic violence can access through a community-based victim service agency or a, a Stopping the Violence Counseling or Outreach Program, which are located all, all across BC. So getting those supports in place as soon as possible so that women can have somebody to talk to. And I think violence um, for some women is very normalized and or it's not necessarily overtly physical. And so they don't necessarily see it as being uh, uh, something that falls within the definition of domestic violence. So if there's lots of, again, coercive controlling behavior like financial control, sexual Mm -hmm. jealousy, you know, isolation, that's much more widespread and and much more normalized than physical violence. So being able to, you know, get um, information out into the world, and I think the media plays a really important role in this in terms of, um, under you know, uh, what what are the signs and what are the symptoms and what are the supports that can be made available to, to people who are experiencing this so that they know that what's happening to them is, Mm-hmm. violence and that there are supports and resources available. I mean, there's no easy answers to this mm-hmm. question. And, you know, people are working at, at multiple layers uh, and levels of, of government and, and in the police and in the community to try and address these issues. But I definitely think, you know, we need some ongoing education and awareness and, you know, outreach to inform survivors and, and, and other people in the community of, of what these what these behaviors are and, and how... Right and they can get support. On that note then, Christy, uh, where can people go to for help? Are there, is there a website or something else that they can check out? Well, obviously, you know, if someone's in an immediate uh, situation of danger or they have immediate safety concerns, we always want to encourage them to contact the police, so call 911. Um, but if you're looking for, if you're, you know, someone who's going through um, domestic violence, um, there is a, a number that you can call. It's called Victim Link. And that number is one eight hundred five six three zero eight zero eight, and that's a twenty four hour seven day a week crisis and referral line. 
And and um, the people who answer uh, the calls can refer um, someone to an agency or a resource that's local in their community. So that might be, as I said, it might be a community-based victim service worker who can meet with someone and, you know, tell them mm-hmm. what to expect from the criminal justice system, give them emotional support, safety plan with them, um, and help them, in, you know, talk through what some of those barriers are to leaving and strategize with okay. them and, and, and create a realistic plan about how how to move forward. And it may be that, you know, it takes a few conversations yeah. and, um, you know, or a lot of ongoing support for that to happen. But that's definitely a really good first step. All right, great. Christy, thank you so much for the advice today. I really appreciate the time. Anytime. That is Christy Uris, the Regional Coordinator of the Program for Ending Violence at the Community Coordination for Women's Safety. And once again, the number she said for VictimLink, 1-800-563-0808.